What is up, Buddha Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast brought to you by Scott Vicknair, injury lawyers. Have you been injured in any kind of accident, car, truck, 18-wheeler, or hurt offshore? Scott Vicknair handles it all. You can give him a call at 504-500-1111 for a free consultation. They'll always fight for the win. Now, I'm very excited on this Wednesday morning to kick it off talking about one of our favorite Saints players, and that's Michael Thomas, because Michael Thomas returned to the field, returned to the field on Tuesday morning slash afternoon in New Orleans for OTAs. Uh, Obviously, super pumped about that. This is a player who has been plagued by injuries for the last couple of seasons now, and we all know when he's healthy, he can still get the job done, but we just haven't seen him been able to do that, obviously, do to his health situation, but for him to be out there, get on the field with Derek Carr, obviously a step in the right direction for Michael Thomas. And I think for new Orleans, this is also a great sign in terms of the relationship being on the right track, him trying to get his, his connection jump started with Derek Carr. Although I'll talk about it in a minute or two, why I feel like that won't be a problem. I actually think that's going to be, if he's healthy, one of the few things that not just Saints fans, the national media is quickly going to latch on to is that Derek Carr, Michael Thomas connection. I truly feel like it can and it will be special if Michael Thomas can stay healthy. And obviously I'll keep throwing the if around. But let's talk about Michael Thomas's return to the field because he made some comments talking about his recovery and how he'll feel about training camp. And when he talked about training camp, this is what he had to say to start it off. He said, we're going for training camp. We're going to be ready for training camp first day one out there with the team, ready to go full speed, just like the old days and what everyone's used to. First off, absolutely freaking love to hear that. It's like a shot of espresso in the morning to hear that Michael Thomas is going to be ready full speed day one of training camp. You couldn't want anything more as a Saints fan for number 13 to be out there doing what he does best, and that is just light up the football field with his aggressive routes, the way he gets in and out of his breaks. The guy just does it all. But it didn't stop there. You also had Michael Thomas talking about the quote-unquote big three with Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave and taking them under his wing. Now, he just to show how where he is, if how every single word gets twisted by people and, and it happens, he said, like, it's not a knock on the rest of the receiver room. He said they're going to need to step up. And I've said it time and time again, the Saints for the first time in a long time have so much depth at wide receiver that I'm excited to see who gets the four, five, and six spot on the depth chart. Whereas, let's say a couple of years ago, I'd be sitting here today going, Not that I don't care, but I have no idea. This year, I have some semblance of an idea, but I just don't know who will get it because of the talent, not because I have no idea who will step up. I think the Saints, talent-wise, whether it is Brian Edwards, whether it is Traquan Smith or James Washington or A.T. Perry or Kirk Merritt or Keith Kirkwood, like the Saints have like six guys vying for three spots, and, and that's what you want. You want that depth. So Michael Thomas talked about the room and how deep it is. Now they're going to need guys to step up, and... It didn't just go there. I think Michael Thomas did a good job of making it pretty clear that he's here to stay. This isn't like, hey, he made his appearance and that's it. I'll see you in like two months from now. No, like Michael Thomas is ready to put in the work. He's not 100%. He knows he's not 100%, but he's going to try his best and make sure he is by the start of training camp. And as a Saints fan, how could you not be excited about that? Like that is what you want. You want Michael Thomas in a Saints uniform back on the field doing what he does because I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. If there's any player who is going to get through the just plethora of injuries that Michael Thomas has been plagued by, if anyone's going to get through it, it is Michael Thomas. Because Michael Thomas, just go back to last season, we only got one glorious game of what he can do when he's on his game. 
But week one, the Saints were getting blown out by the Falcons, and this man decided to just destroy A.J. Terrell, who is a top-tier cornerback, in his first full game back, nonstop. Two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Looked like a man possessed at times. And I still think that player is inside Michael Thomas. I still think that player, if he's healthy, will come out because that's who he is by nature. He's a special one-on-one type of player, and I hope to God he's healthy and we'll see if he is. But if he is healthy, I think that is going to be great news for Derek Carr. Derek Carr and Michael Thomas, I think something special is brewing, and it's all going to hinge on depth, on, uh, excuse me, on health. But I think something special is there. Let's just trace it back to the original steps. Derek Carr is a free agent. Derek Carr is meeting with the Saints. Derek Carr talks about people recruiting him from New Orleans. It turns out the player who was leading the charge, Michael Thomas. And Derek Carr talked about it on Tuesday. He said Michael Thomas was hitting him up nonstop. Did you sign the contract yet? Did you sign the contract yet? Are you joining the Saints? Wanted to know if he was going to be his quarterback. And just to prove that this is no fluke, here's the direct quote from Derek Carr talking about Michael Thomas being in the building on Tuesday. It's just so cool to have him in the building, Carr said. I know everyone was excited to see him. Everybody loves him here. They love his work ethic, his competitiveness, his leadership, the way he plays, the way he practices, he prepares. From just uh, from just on the outside looking in, he's such a worker. That's probably why sometimes injuries happen, when you play that hard and work that hard. And you don't ever ask a guy like that to tone it down. You got to keep going as long as you can. That was the first thing he talked about. And then he talked about how their connection could keep getting better. He asked certain things that Michael Thomas did well with Breeze, what worked, what didn't work. I'm, I'm just going to be that guy real quick. I have not heard Michael Thomas talk about his quarterback room since Drew Brees is retired. And I'm not, I'm not here to be a conspiracy theorist. It's not what I want to do at all. But the fact that these two are pretty much just talking about each other so glowingly, there's something there. Because Michael Thomas hasn't talked about his quarterback like this since Drew Brees retired. And the fact that these two are connecting already. And the fact that at OTAs on Tuesday, all you see is the two of them just on the side chatting, figuring out certain routes, what they want to do. They are building that connection from June. So when September comes around, you can do nothing but pray and hope that you stop them. That's what they want. And that's what I think they can do if these two continue to get on the same page. But think about it. If Michael Thomas was recruiting Derek Carr in March, he wanted him there badly. He's got him there now. And now the two, it seems kind of inseparable in terms of when they're working out together. So I think this could be a special connection. And I think Michael Thomas is the perfect type of receiver for Derek Carr. And let me explain why real quick. For starters, Hunter Renfro, and this is not a knock on Hunter Renfro, by the way, because anyone who's watched this podcast knows I would take Hunter Renfro on the Saints in a heartbeat. Hunter Renfro had an 1,000-yard season with Derek Carr in 2021, was their best receiver, did a lot in the slot, also made some plays downfield. Michael Thomas, the Saints could possibly use in the slot if Shahid and Olave on the outside, would dominate from that spot. You know on third down territory he's great. You know that all he does is pick up first downs, and you know he's got a route that's unbeatable. I could see an easy 1,000-plus yards for Michael Thomas if he stays healthy. Now, I don't know if he will be healthy. I hope he is, as you guys are waking up this morning listening, and I know you guys would feel the same about whether or not he'll be healthy. But if he is, and let's live in that world for a second where he is, him and Derek Carr are going to be just a dynamic duo. Dynamic duo. It's just going to work. It 
absolutely will work. And while I'm on the subject, posted some you know clips and, and videos of Michael Thomas like coming back on on TikTok or whatever, and, and everyone loves to crack the slant joke still. And I my rebuttal to this will always be: if you think he runs one route, why is your favorite cornerback struggling to stop him? It's a fair question, and it's one that people don't have an answer for. But Michael Thomas and Derek Carr, will it be a special connection if they're healthy? I think it will, and I think it's brewing and it's manifesting in every possible way that you want. And if if that connection continues to, to develop in a nature that I think is best for the team, best for the offense, I, I think that that's where you're going to get the best version of the New Orleans Saints. And I also think the best version of this offense. And I'll talk about that in a moment before I get to some comments from you guys. As Alex says, Michael Thomas had that week one performance with Jameis. Have to figure it will be even better with Carr, which is scary. Which, yep, I 1,000% agree. I 1,000% agree on that, for sure. Uh, now, if anyone's in the live chat has some questions, I'll get to them in just a minute uh, because I want to get to the Saints offense and things that they need to fix. But before I do that, just want to remind you that we're brought to you here by Ladder and Bloom. And Chris Smith of Ladder and Bloom is one of the top realtors in New Orleans for a free marketing valuation of your property to book a property tour or to just talk real estate, you can give them a call at 504-231-2004. That's Chris Smith of Ladder and Bloom. So I said Derek Carr and Michael Thomas, if they step up, that helps the Saints offense. They'll be on track. Well, the Saints offense is more than just figuring out if Michael Thomas and Derek Carr can get on the same page because there's a lot of problems here that they got to fix. And you're going to see this here and go, will the Saints have a top 10 offense and go, what the hell is Chris smoking on this Wednesday morning? I'm not saying they're going to have it, but let me tell you three things that they need to fix and a little sneaky fourth one that they could fix and I think they will fix. But three in particular, they got to fix. Let's start with the first one. You got to score points in this league. And the Saints ranked 22nd last year in that. And you are not making the playoffs if you're 22nd in points scored. You're not. Uh, and you can think back to moments that the Saints lost games because they literally couldn't score a single point. And if you think I'm joking, let's go revisit what they did last year. They lost a game to the 49ers, 13-0. That was embarrassing. And it didn't end there. They lost a game to the Buccaneers, 17-16. They lost a game to the Panthers, 10-7. They scored 13 points against the Ravens, 14 against the Panthers the first time, 10 against the Bucks the first time. I mean, Jesus, this offense was a damn mess. So points scored, obviously that is the no-brainer. Saints got to get better at that. Well, how can they get better at that? I think fixing the run offense. The Saints had moments last year where they ran over teams. Think of Seattle. uh, Think of the Raiders. Think of even the Eagles. Like, I thought they ran the ball well. What the Saints did not do, though, on a consistent basis was run the ball well, and the the proof is in the pudding. 4.3 yards per carry. You want to know where that ranks? I'll give you a hint. It's where the points are scored. 22nd, 22nd in yards per carry. I think that one's going to get fixed, and I'll explain in a minute why I think so. But that's one that has to get fixed. Now, what goes hands with uh, goes what goes hand in hand with running the football well? Average drive time, two minutes, forty two seconds for the Saints, ranked twenty first. So, in important key statistics, the Saints were ranked in the twenties last year. That's not going to get it done. But I actually think because they have the talent in here to fix the run offense. That will fix the average time of drive. And when those two get paired and paired, that's going to lead to infinitely better results for the Saints. You run the football better, you have longer drives, you have longer drives, better chance of scoring points in this league. It all makes sense. So those are things that the Saints have to fix. 
Another thing the Saints should fix, fourth down percentage in terms of success rate, 36.4% last year. That ranked 30th in the National Football League, 30th. For comparison, Derek Carr and the Raiders last year, who had a down year, 54.1% for ninth best in the league. So the Saints got to get better at yards per carry. The Saints got to get better on fourth down completion percentage in terms of having success there. The Saints have to have longer drives, which they could if they run the football better. And when you put all that together, longer drives, running the football with more efficiency, staying on the field on fourth down, you score more points. It all adds up. So how are the Saints going to do this? How are the Saints going to do this? Well, it starts with the run offense. And it starts and ends with your offseason additions. Now, I, I would imagine Alvin misses time this year. We all think he could get suspended. We hope to God he doesn't. If he doesn't, great news for the Saints. If he does, all right, that stinks. But what did the Saints do this year? The Saints said, hey, we're going to address the running back room. And they got Jamal Williams, the 1,000-yard rusher who led the league in rushing touchdowns last year. That's great. That's awesome. Can you double up? Yes, they can. Kendra Miller out of TCU in the third round of the draft. And Kendra Miller is going to be an awesome addition to this team, just like I think Jamal Williams is going to be an awesome addition to this team. So the Saints add Miller. They add Williams. You bring in two running backs that are infinitely better than what you had last year outside of Alvin. No knock on Mark Ingram. He's one of the greatest running backs to ever suit up for the Saints statistically and also what he brought to this team emotionally and energy-wise. But Jamal Williams, major upgrade. Kendra Miller gives you that youth and potential major upgrade. The Saints running back room was bad last year. It was flat out bad. And I'll show you the stats to prove it. So you know what Alvin was bringing to the table with his rushing. But outside of that, you had Mark Ingram, who averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Not great. You had David Johnson, who had 12 carries for 24 yards. Not great. Dwayne Washington, 11 carries for 38 yards. Not great. Latavius Murray is the only one who did great as that backup running back, 11 carries, 57 yards in the Minnesota game, and then the Broncos took him. The Saints had no RB2 last year. No matter what they tell you, they had no RB2 last year. So, bringing in Jamal Williams will help, bringing in Kendrick Miller will help, and now fix the Saints run offense. I promise you it will. And guess what? While those two are helping out your backfield, they're taking the pressure off of Alvin, and I've always said this, and I will say this all the time, Alvin is better with less touches. When he doesn't have to do 25, 30 touches a game, you're going to get 18 quality touches out of Alvin. He's going to be explosive. He's going to be looking like he's got those fresh legs, and that's what you want. And that's what Kendra Miller, and that is what uh, Jamal Williams will give to Alvin. And I think shaking up the running back room and bringing in an infectious personality like Jamal Williams, who's all about his business, but is all about having fun while doing it, you're going to see that energy. And you saw it yesterday. He's at OTAs dancing, and all of a sudden you look to the right, and you see Kendra Miller's dancing with him. And that's what I love to see, because when I go back to the Saints in 2017 and 2018, what they do well? They ran the football well, and the energy in the locker room was freaking contagious. And that's where you want the Saints to be. That is where you want the Saints to be. So I think that's going to be helpful. Now, I also think running back-wise, the Saints might have a little bit of added juice because they might have figured out, finally, the code to Taysom Hill. Everyone likes the idea of Taysom Hill at tight end, right? It's fun. At tight end, at wide receiver, it's cool. He's best when he's running the freaking football. Run the damn rock with Taysom Hill. 
He had 96 carries for 575 rushing yards last year. Six yards per attempt. The Saints as a team at 4.3 yards per attempt. I'm not saying Taysom Hill needs 90-something carries. I'm saying Taysom Hill, when he's used, it better be to run the freaking football because Taysom Hill, until someone proves that they could stop him on a consistent basis, you run the football with him. And, and talk about, you know, proof in, uh, proofs in the pudding with the Saints. When Taysom Hill at his best rushing days, the Saints won. And if you think I'm making it up, let's go through it. Taysom Hill, 80 rushing yards against the Falcons. Saints won that game. Taysom Hill, 112 rushing yards against the Seahawks. The Saints won that game. Taysom Hill, 61 rushing yards against the Raiders. They won that game. 52 rushing yards against the Rams. They won that game. 56 rushing yards against the Browns. They won that game. 46 rushing yards against the Eagles. They won that game. In the games that they lost, what did he have? 14 rushing yards, 21 rushing yards, 39 rushing yards. He had 13 rushing yards, 10 rushing yards, 24 rushing yards. When Taysom Hill gets going and you give him the damn rock, results are there. So you fix the run game. That makes your drives longer. That fixes your average time of drive. And when those two happen, better chance of scoring points in this league. And while you're extending the drives, maybe you don't have to worry about fourth down as much. And even if you do, you're fourth and short now. You can give it to Jamal Williams. You can give it to Taysom Hill. You can give it to Kendra Miller. It doesn't always have to be around Alvin. Now Alvin doesn't have to do everything. Now Alvin feels like there's pressure off of his shoulders. This is how the Saints get better. And if the Saints can do those things, running the football, getting better offensively, guess who there's less pressure on? Derek Carr. Guess who can light up teams in the play-action game? Derek Carr. Who, by the way, is at his best when the Saints are going to be running the football because Derek Carr in play-action is a lethal quarterback, as most are. So the, the plan is there. And the thing that I will give the Saints credit for, the Saints, and this is, why, this is why I will not let them off the hook this year, the Saints have the personnel to get it done. Now it's on the coaches and the health. And if the health doesn't work out, then you start to understand. But if the health is there, then it's all on the coaches to squeeze out every last drop of potential and success out of this Saints team. And I hope they will, and I think they will, but it's up to them. It is without a doubt up to them to get it done. But I think the talent is there. I really do. And I think if you fix the run game, offensive, uh, you know, just the offensive line feels like they're running downhill. That's what you want out of them. All of a sudden, the confidence goes up. You can throw the football a little bit better, particularly in the play action. And look, I don't know if the Saints will be top 10, but I tell you what they won't be. They won't be 22nd in running uh, rush yards per game. They won't be 22nd in points per game. They won't be 21st in time of drive. Got to be better in these in these qualities. And I think they will. I really do. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, now, let me switch gears here and talk about what you guys want to talk about with the New Orleans Saints. So from this point forward, you have a comment, a question, a concern, a prediction, a general statement. You can throw it in and we'll pull it up here uh, on the Straight Up Saints podcast. I see you guys coming in here. And I appreciate you, as always, this morning coming through the live stream. So, Let's start off with this one. How many wide receivers do you think we keep, Chris? So, uh, I think that's a, first off, great question. I think, for starters, you obviously know who you are keeping with Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shaheed. There's your three, obviously. Now, Saints fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I actually think there's a very good chance that Traquan Smith does make the roster. I really do. And I know that's not what fans want to hear, but I think that's a possibility. So, let's say Traquan makes it, that's four. I think that one of Brian Edwards and James Washington could make it. That would be five. 
and maybe A.T. Perry. So I'm going to go six make it, and I think the Saints can afford to do that because I think there's a good chance a guy like Kirk Merritt or Keith Kirkwood you could bring back anyway. They've come back before. Why can't they do it again? So I'm going to go six with Olave, Shahid, Michael Thomas, and then some group of this four of James Washington, Traquan Smith, A.T. Perry, and Kirk Merritt. Three out of those four. And honestly, excuse me, take out Kirk Merritt, put in Brian Edwards. Three out of those four, that would round out my six. But I think six, and I think this is the first time in a long time that I feel really, really good about this Saints personnel group and wide receiver group as a whole. Alex says, definitely have the skilled players to be top 10. A lot will depend on the health and productivity of the O-line and, of course, the play calling. No excuses for Carmichael this year. Absolutely, right? Carmichael has zero excuses this year because the personnel is there. You got a second chance. You got an opportunity to see what you did wrong last year. Can you correct it this year? If you can, great. If not, got to get out. It's just the way it goes. But the personnel is there. The O-line, we talk about health. The O-line health is what scares me. Ruiz is coming off an injury. Penning is coming off an injury. Pete is coming off an injury. And Ramchick has been battling injuries and playing through it for the last two years. So outside of McCoy, no one's really healthy. And that concerns me. But I think that's an excellent point that you brought up. If the Saints are going to get to where they want to go, where I think they can go, this O-line has to be good. Has to be good. And if they're not, then it's tough. Because how do you run the football with a a bad O-line? How do you protect your quarterback with a bad O-line? You can't do those things. So, yeah, a lot of it is going to be on the O-line. I'm glad you brought that up. John says, not to and not to mention how good the defense was last year. The defense last year was the only reason that they really won the games they did. Like, that's the truth of the matter. Outside of the Seahawks game, because that was a shootout against the Browns, did their thing. Against the Eagles, did their thing. Against the Raiders, shutting out Derek Carr and the Raiders, 24-0. Defense had moments where they looked elite. Now, I said this, I believe, Monday, because we're talking about Alante Taylor and what he has to improve. I think it's something the Saints have to improve as a whole. And the Saints got to get better at forcing turnovers. There was a point last season where I was talking about the Saints and turnovers, and I'll try and pull it up. And they just... They could not do it. They could not force turnovers. And that was a major problem. Because you can play the yardage game for all you want, but it doesn't work. And here's the stat I'm going to pull up. The Saints had 18 interceptions in 2021. 18 of them. They had one interception through the first six games of last season. So they were on pace for about three interceptions last year. Now, they didn't end with three interceptions. They ended more with three interceptions. But... One interception through the first six games, they started slow in that regard. They need to get better at that. Defense was great last year. I expect the defense to be good. But you can't force one interception through six games because that's not going to be enough. Trying to contain my expectations, but it's starting to get extremely difficult with a healthy MT for a season. Look, I, I want to make this very clear for you guys. If Michael Thomas is healthy and we live in that world that he is, let's say he is, you aren't containing anything for me. You are not, you are not containing my excitement about this Saints team because I still think that Michael Thomas can bring it. Now, because we live in that world where injuries are a concern, especially the last couple of years for him, I can't sit here today and promise you guys that it'll be healthy. I can't sit here today and bank on a Saints playoff appearance or a Saints Super Bowl run, whatever. I can't do that. Like I don't want to live in the delusion of that. But he is getting healthier. And if he is on the field, the Saints are going to be a better football team. And I think it's okay for us to accept that reality, right? of if he's on the field, they're going to be better, but not get our hopes up too much where if he gets hurt, we're back in that 
sulking position of, you know, what happened? Where, why did we get down this road again? So we'll see there. But uh, I, I think that, that that's going to be interesting. Asking about Kendra Miller, when is he going to get reps? Isn't he hurt? So Kendra Miller had a torn MCL for the Saint, uh, coming in to the Saints. Happened in the, I believe, the college football playoff. Obviously not uh, what you want there. But he's talked about his confidence. He's also talked about being 100% for training camp. So the reps are going to increase. I think for him, he's been doing not even light drills. He's been getting his running in. But the Saints have been talking about taking it easy with him anyway. But I would expect come training camp like Michael Thomas, you are going to see a full-on attack from Kendra Miller. You're going to see a guy that's going all out. He looks great on the field already. Like, I honestly think that he's so close to being 100% anyway. Like, he's getting there. So, I think for him, you're, you're taking those steps. It's about getting to 100%. And I think you will be there for training camp. So, you're going to see him get those reps. You will see practice videos of Kendrick Miller soon enough. So, don't panic there. It's all part of the process for him. Again, torn MCL, not torn ACL. So, that's the good news there. But he'll be ready to go. I really do. Dylan says Camaro, Miller, and Williams are going to be a three-headed monster. I think they can be. You got the do-it-all back in Alvin. You got the goal line, Jamal Williams type of guy. We had 1,000 yards and 17 rushing touchdowns last year. And then you got Kendra Miller, who can do all that and has the fresh legs of coming into the league as a rookie, feeling like you could take on the world. And let's not kid ourselves. We've seen a rookie running back for the Saints do his thing before. The Saints vet used to be that rookie. Alvin used to be that rookie that revitalized the Saints running back room, that, that took them back to their glory days. Kendra Miller can give them that kind of jolt that they need. I really feel that way. I really do. Foster says Taysom's got to be used more. Wholeheartedly agree there. Uh, I think even if it's not used more, you got to use Taysom at running back. Slash, well, obviously playing the quarterback position, but running the football. Because until teams show you that they can stop QB power on a consistent basis, you run that play. Like, look, I've seen QB power get stuffed from time to time, but I've never seen it get stuffed time and time again. And that is the difference. That is the difference. Is MT supposed to be 100% by preseason? Yes. Yes, he is supposed to be 100% by preseason. Um, I'll read the quote again for you guys real quick about training camp. But this is what he had to say about training camp. We're going to be ready for training camp first day one, out there with the team, ready to go full speed, just like the old days and what everyone's used to. So... He's, he thinks he's going to be ready for training camp, but he will be 100% for preseason. That, that, is, that is not a prediction. That seems to be a fact at the moment. So we'll see what happens there. Really good question here. Do you feel like we would address linebacker in free agency? I think the Saints will look around because it's DeMario and Pete, but after that, it's Zach Bond and DeMarco Jackson and Andrew Dowell, and those are not the pieces that the Saints probably can feel comfortable with if Pete Werner or DeMario goes down. So, look, if Zach Bond or DeMarco Jackson lights up minicamp, maybe the Saints change their perspective. But as of now, do you feel great about that linebacker room? I don't. I don't in the slightest. So, you look around, the problem is, who do you like that's available? I mean, Quan Alexander's available. John Bostick's available. Miles Jack, I believe, is available. Uh, Deion Jones is available, Zach Cunningham. You're probably recycling through an older guy like in his 28, 29, maybe even 30s and hoping you can revitalize their career. Um, but look, it's a depth thing. So I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, bringing in one of those guys. 
And you're not saying they're going to start. They're going to start, God forbid, something happens. So you can live with it. But I, I want to make it very clear. If the Saints have it their way, it is Zach Bond or DeMarco Jackson finally taking that next step, just like Caden Ellis last year took that next step. And obviously now Caden Ellis is with the, with the Falcons, and he got paid, and he got what he deserved after what was a breakout season. You would love, love to copy that formula again and have one of those two guys step up and kind of be that de facto linebacker three who can fill in for if Pete Warner goes down or if DeMario goes down. And you don't want that. You want Pete and DeMario out there because Pete and DeMario are a very, very special linebacker duo. But it's a reality. But it's a great question. I think for the Saints, it comes down to how comfortable do you feel with Zach and DeMarco Jackson? And if you don't feel good about Bond and you don't feel good about Jackson, then yeah, you scan that linebacker free agent pool and you say, which one of those vets that I mentioned, Zach Cunningham, Quan Alexander, John Bostic, Deion Jones, like which one out of that group do you want to take a shot on? And whichever one they do will probably be a guy that they feel good about playing off-ball linebacker because I can tell you that's what they want. They don't want some guy who can just get after because if they could get after the quarterback, then Zach Bond's probably your guy because people forget Zach Bond at Wisconsin, we could pull it up here, was a pretty damn good player. Zach Bond at Wisconsin before he went to the NFL in his final season with them had 12 and a half sacks. So he can get after the quarterback. It's off ball that he's struggling. Alex asks, is A.T. Perry going to be able to get reps this year? I I will say he could, but the problem is if he gets them, then you're like, okay, did he get them because of injuries? And if that's the case, that's the last thing any of us want. Don't want Michael Thomas or Chris Olave or Rashid Shahi going down, and that's why A.T. Perry gets his reps. But if A.T. Perry balls out in minicamp and balls out in training camp, and he ends up the fourth guy on the depth chart, then he's going to get reps out of just earning them, not out of necessity. So I do think that there's a there's a possibility the answer to your question is yes, but you kind of hope that it's not just because you want everyone else to stay healthy. Now, if he gets reps, great for him. Obviously, that's what you want. If he earns them, awesome. But I'm the way I'm looking at it, you got the three that you know above him, but I still think it's going to be hard for him to beat out guys like Trey Quan, guys like James Washington, guys like Brian Edwards. And if he does, fantastic, because those are wide receivers who've been in this league for years. And that would just be a testament to how fast he's developed and the Saints getting a potential steal. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think it might take some time for him. But he's had some flashy plays so far at OTAs. The size is there. The production at the collegiate level is there. Uh, so why not? We'll see what happens. But I love the question. I think A.T. Perry, potential-wise, could definitely add a, a little bit of juice to this wide receiver room. Can Jordan Howden eventually start at Nickelback or is he the future replacement for one of the safety positions? Great question. Jordan Howden... What I like about him is he could do both. And what I like about him is experience. So much experience at Minnesota. And he had a lot of experience on special teams as well. So, like, I think Jordan Howden is going to make this roster. And I think Jordan Howden, and I, when the pick was made, it was one of those guys that's like, all right, special teams. But every week it's, oh, Jordan Howden looked good at OTAs. Jordan Howden had a good day of practice. And when you do it three straight weeks, when do you rip off the fluke label and say maybe this is just who this kid is? Because he's experienced. He's played so many games at Minnesota. And that's another guy who we talked about. When it comes to experience, 11 games his first year, 12 games, 7 games, 12 games, 13 games his red shirt is extra year from COVID. So this guy has played over 50 games, has 240 plus tackles, four interceptions, 20 pass breakups. Like Jordan Howden 
has been around the block more than a few times. So I think for this year, you're probably looking at special teams and maybe if someone gets hurt at that safety position, because I think in the in the nickel, you can use Bradley Roby and you've been using Alante Taylor practice in the slot a little bit. So maybe, uh, maybe that's where we'll see him sometimes from time to time there. So maybe not so much for Howden, but look, Marcus May's got his own legal situation. Marcus May did not play great last year. Tyron Matthew, I took back every criticism I had because the second half of the season was fantastic. It wasn't good. It was fantastic. He looked like the honey badger of old. But I think Howden, maybe he could earn some reps there. And I know you guys will bring up Smoke Monday, and rightfully so, but Howden has been better than Smoke so far in OTAs. Now, it's early, right? You got June and July and August for a reason. But... Howden has impressed so far, and we'll see. I don't anticipate him getting a bulk amount of snaps, you know, come this season on defense. But this kid is working his way up, working his way up faster than I thought he would. What do you think the D-line rotation looks like? Well, for starters right now, you know what you got in terms of the starters and what the starters right now at the moment, it's kind of weird. It's been Cam, Colin Saunders, Carl Granderson, and I believe it's been Malcolm Roach. Now, what I believe is going to happen is it depends on the personnel, and it depends it depends also on what you're grouping up for. If you're going up against the pass, I think you're looking at Cam Jordan, Nathan Shepard, possibly Brian Berzee, and then maybe Carl Granderson. Depends on whether or not Peyton Turner steps up. But rotation-wise, you have, let's go through our first base. You have Jordan, uh, Cam Jordan, Nathan Shepard, Colin Saunders, Carl Granderson. That would be maybe your first four. Your second four is pretty good, actually. It's Peyton Turner, Brian Brzee, Malcolm Roach, Isaiah Foskey. That, for me, is the all-potential group, right? Peyton Turner, Brian Brzee, Isaiah Foskey. Potential-wise, that group has more potential than the first group. They just got to put it together. But there's that. And then, it doesn't stop there. You also have Tano Passigno, who is there as your third guy, I'd say, at defensive end. And you can move him inside too. He's very interchangeable. So I think rotation-wise, the Saints have the pieces. And it isn't about health as much as it is about are these guys going to realize their full potential? And if they do that, fantastic. If they don't, obviously I'll be disappointed about that. But I mention it. Nathan Shepard, the Saints brought him in because they think he could be a pass-rushing defense tackle. Colin Saunders, Saints brought him in off his best season with the Chiefs. 48 tackles, three and a half sacks. Chiefs won a Super Bowl last year. Not saying Colin Saunders was the secret sauce to them winning a Super Bowl, but it helps that he was healthy and he was good in their playoff run. So you bring him in. Carl Granderson last year, situationally, five and a half sacks, not bad. Especially when you start to realize he heated up at the end of the year. In the last four games of the season, he had three sacks, which means the other 13 games, he only had two and a half sacks. So maybe that is positivity building into next season. Peyton Turner, I don't know. I don't want to say give up on Peyton Turner, but at some point, Peyton Turner has to show us that he can produce and he can stay healthy, and he hasn't done either one. He hasn't. Now, he flashed in that Raiders game last year. He had two sacks, and then he got injured. So what am I supposed to do there? Like, it's so frustrating for me with the Peyton Turner thing because I actually think the talent is there for the kid, and I think the skills are there. Like, I don't think this is a raw just a raw prospect you throw in, you hope he figures it out. I think he knows what he wants to do. I just think he can't stay healthy. So we'll see with him. Isaiah Foskey, production man at the collegiate level. 
So why should I believe that he can't do it at the NFL level? Maybe it won't look the same way. But last uh, two years ago at Notre Dame, 10 sacks. Last year at Notre Dame, 10 and a half sacks. The guy does it all. He does it all. He forced seven fumbles in that two-year stretch. So potential-wise, you know what you got there. How about Brian Brzee, a defensive tackle who I know can get after the run, and I think has got a mean spin move for a guy of his size, which should be borderline illegal. But that's another player went healthy at Clemson. First year as a freshman, 23 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, forced to fumble, two pass breakups. The kid is good. And his second year, obviously destroyed by injuries. But even that third year in 10 games, five and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Like, if he gives you three and a half sacks at the defensive tackle position as a rookie, amazing. If Foskey gives you five sacks as a rookie, amazing. All that starts to add up. When these guys start doing the little things, it will add up. So defensive line rotation, I think you're looking at Kim, Saunders, probably Nathan Shepard, and then either Granderson or Peyton Turner for the first time. And then the second rotation, you'll probably have Foskey, you'll probably have Peyton Turner, Brian Brzee, and Malcolm Roach. That's still a really good unit. And then Tano, you could put wherever. If someone's not picking up their end of the slack, you can move Tano into that position and see if he gives you a little bit of a jolt. And maybe he will. But I, I really, 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 really like the depth of this defensive line. I don't know if the potential is going to play out, right? Because potential is one thing, production is another. And you hope one day the potential matches the production, but you don't know if it will. But I do think it is there, and I do think for New Orleans, in a division that isn't exactly stacked with quarterbacks, and a schedule that I've gone over time and time again doesn't feature a lot of great quarterbacks, the time is now for this defensive line. And I actually think what also is going to help the defensive line is that I think this is going to be a top-five secondary. The Saints last year were second in fewest passing yards given up, and Marshawn Lattimore missed 10 games. He missed 10 games. Paulson Adebo wasn't good. Tyron Matthew needed a half a season to get going, but he was great that second half. And they finished second in pass yards allowed per game. So I think this secondary is going to be better. And I think once that secondary hits that next level, and I think they will, this defensive line, with the potential they have of no excuse to produce. And I think they will produce because of it. Maybe the reason why our D-line was better and got more sacks is because our secondary was starting to hit that elite level. It 1,000% makes sense. It 1,000% makes sense. I mentioned Granderson picking it up at the end. Cam Jordan picked it up at the end. Well, what also picked up at the end? Alante Taylor started to become a really, really good cornerback. Tyron Matthew really started to come into his own. P.J. Williams did his usual play well at the second half of the season. And even guys like Sorensen, who no one wants to talk about, Played really well at the end of the year. Sorensen, in the last couple of games for the Saints, had two interceptions. Two interceptions in the last three games. So the Saints were starting to get better, more opportunistic in the secondary. Defensive line stepped up. Got to have that cohesion. And I I think all the talent is there. And I'm going to be saying this, guys, and and, and I'll be recording an awful lot, live streaming an awful lot, and you guys are going to see my annoying face an awful lot talking about the Saints. And the one thing I'm going to keep telling you is health-permitting, The talent is there for them to be a competitive slash contending team. It's on the coaching staff to maximize this potential and this ceiling of the Saints team. I don't know if they will, but that's why they get paid. And that's why they got brought back to New Orleans for another season. A chance to recorrect the wrongs of last year. If they can't do it, they'll be out and the Saints will have a new coaching staff and I'll be here to talk about it. But if if they do accomplish that goal, 
I'll give them their credit. I'll give them their flowers and credit the Saints for being patient. But it's all there. Defensive line depth, secondary talent, wide receiver depth and talent, bringing in new running backs, upgrading the quarterback room. The Saints have done everything personnel-wise outside of revamping the O-line to be a contending team in a weak NFC South and honestly, a weak NFC. Now it's up to them to get it done. And we'll see if they do that. And if they accomplish that goal, man, I know we'll all be happy and we'll be smiling. But it's only June. So I can be optimistic now, but you got to show me results in September, October, November, December. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that the Saints can get that done. But that's going to do it, guys, for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. As always, I think it's so much on a morning to come here and listen to me rant about this New Orleans team, although it was more so raving today. But I really appreciate you guys tuning in dropping your comments, concerns, predictions, statements, whatever it may have been. I really do appreciate that you helped the show go a lot smoother for me, makes it flow, makes my day better. So I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic Wednesday. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll probably be here back with another video or live stream soon talking about the New Orleans Saints. But if we don't at the end of the week, you know you can find us with another one on Monday because that's what we'll be doing every Monday morning, live stream on Buku Media. Just a little Wednesday edition, but who knows? guys liked it it might be here to stay but that's going to wrap it up so much guys uh stay tuned for more content here from the straight up saints podcast subscribe to the buku media youtube page because it's not just saints content you'll get pelicans content to lane colin a content uh you'll get any type of trending news from us so make sure to subscribe uh, and stay tuned for more from the straight up saints podcast the destination for the who nation